Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Rest is one of the most powerful promises from God. It's God's desire that we have it, but we can only enter into it by faith. When we do, we experience His power and we see His truths and promises become a reality in our lives. Cheryl's message titled, Four Reasons for Rest. The author of Hebrews says we are to fear. Here's your fear. You want anxiety, you want half fear. Some people like to worry. Have you ever, I know people who like to worry. If, if they can't find a cause for worry, they get worried. Yeah, you know, I need to worry. Give me a worry, quick. I don't have a worry. I've got to be responsible for something. Well, here's your fear. If you wanna be anxious about something, be anxious about the fact that you're anxious. Fear your fear. Like, I don't wanna be afraid. I don't wanna be anxious. I wanna enter in at rest. It was a rest that Israel, though they were promised it, though God intended it for them, though God wanted it for them, they never entered The gospel or the good news of God's rest was preached to them. God's offer of rest and blessing, but it never profited them because they never believed it. It was never mixed with faith. You see, I'm going to be honest with you. There are times that God's word does not work. Does not work when it is not believed, when it is not claimed, when you don't wait for it. It doesn't work. It needs faith. You must believe it. There are people that have Bibles in their house. But because they don't believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, those promises are not theirs. They must be believed. Faith is a necessary ingredient to enter God's promise of rest. It's not enough just to have God's promise. It's not enough just to know or memorize God's promise. It must be believed, embraced, and acted upon. It must be entered or lived in accordance with the recipe, the instruction that is given for that promise. In Acts chapter 25, Paul is in the midst of a violent storm. Um, The text says that Paul had not seen nor those on the ship the stars or the sky or the sun for two weeks. They're in the midst of the Mediterranean. They have no idea where they are because of the darkness and the fierceness of the storm they were in. But God comes to Paul through an angel in Acts 27 verse 24. And he says to Paul, do not be afraid. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. 
But then in verse 30, these sailors try to save themselves and escape with the skiff. And in doing so, they jeopardize the promise of God. Paul goes to the captain of the ship and he says, if these men escape, they're going to nullify the promise of God. So unless they agree to be with all of us, this promise of God is null and void. You see, unless you follow and obey the word of God, it doesn't work. For instance, let me illustrate it this way. Just having a recipe for angel food cake is not enough. I can have the cookbook. I can have the recipe. But having that cookbook and that recipe at my disposal will not give me an angel food cake. It won't. I can believe that recipe works, but unless I buy the ingredients, unless I follow the steps for an angel food cake, it won't work. If I say, you know what? I don't want to waste those egg yolks. I don't want to just use 12 egg whites. What am I supposed to do with the yolks? No, I want to add the yolks too. It will never work. You will never have an angel food cake. You have to separate the white of the egg from the yolk. And you have to do something else with the yolk. But you have to whip those egg whites. And you have to make sure your bowl is clean. And there's no oil in the bowl or the egg whites won't work. You have to make sure there's no yolk in it. You have to sift your flour and your sugar three times to get it light enough. You have to follow the steps of an angel food cake. Angel food cakes are probably the most temperamental cake I know of. You have to get the exact right ingredients. You have to have the cream of tartar. I mean, no offense, I do not use cream of tartar regularly in my life. The only thing I use cream of tartar for is my angel food cake. And it's in my cupboard just for an angel food cake. And if it expires, I have to get more. Just in case my grandson says, Grandma, will you make me an angel food cake? Because that's what grandma's known for. Angel food cake. And that's what every grandma should be known for. I'm just saying. I have to act upon this recipe. I have to buy the ingredients I have to follow the instructions exactly. I have to know the time it takes in the oven. I have to take it out when it's done. I have to turn my pan upside down because otherwise it will shrink up and become condensed. How many of you have made one from scratch? Okay, three of us know what we're talking about. Maybe six. You have to follow the recipe. The Jews had the promise, but they didn't believe it, so they didn't act on it. They acknowledged it, but they didn't apply it or act on it. This offer of a rest still remains, verses 3 through 9. It is available to all who will enter it. This recipe for rest works. Psalm 95, 11. God's promise continues to be extended to us. If Israel had entered into the rest with Joshua by going into the promised land, if the land was the end of the rest, the psalmist coming some 400 years later would not have promised, 200 to 400 years, would not have promised that a rest 
still was offered to the people of God. It's a promise that reaches back to the very creation of the world. When God made the world, he rested. In other words, there was no more work to be done. All that was needed for the world to function, all that was required for man to be blessed was completed and operational. There are times to trust in the Lord and you say, and then what? Just believe, just stand on the promise. Just begin to preach that promise of God to yourself. Begin to proclaim that promise. Begin to process and pray through the promise. Man only needed to live and enjoy in what God had already accomplished. And this rest is still being offered The rest is right now, today, if you will hear his voice. You must move on this promise right now because time is of the essence. Israel missed this rest, again, because of a lack of faith. And a lack of faith will move you to disobedience quicker than anything else. When you don't believe, then you've got to get it done for yourself. You're going to follow your own steps and you're going to try it. And that's what happened. And then their hearts were hardened. Hardened to the point because they didn't believe it, they defied it, and they didn't even want it. What does this rest look like in verse 10? It looks like ceasing from our work. In other words, we're not striving to make something happen. We're not saying, well, I got to call this person. I got to call that person. I've got to stir everybody up. It looks like not trying to atone for your own sins or mistakes, not trying to earn God's favor. It looks like resting, trusting in the completed work of Jesus on the cross. It believes in walking in the truth that your sins are fully forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. The sins you committed yesterday, the day before yesterday, from the time you were two and started saying no till this very day, They are forgiven. They are separated as far as the east is from the west. They are buried in the deepest sea and God will remember them no more. It means resting and trusting, knowing that we have acceptance before God because of what Jesus has done, that he finished the work that was necessary for salvation and said, it is finished. It is paid in full. It means no longer being anxious, fretful, aggressive, competitive, fearful that God's not going to come through. But it means trusting in and entrusting everything to God. Why? Why can we rest? Why do we not need to be fretful? Let's go over one. Because God's word is living powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of all the thoughts and intents of the heart. Psalm 1830 said, it is proven. It works. When we get to chapter 11 of Hebrews, you're going to see all the people God's word worked for and how it worked, how it worked when they believed it, how it worked when word meets faith. This is what happens. This is the power. 
Those who have followed the recipe given to them in God's word have received the reward. It's living. It is active. It never stops working. It works in the light. It works in the darkness. It works at all times, in all places, to all people, in all circumstances. These promises are 100% relevant to whatever you're going through. There is a promise or a word in God's word that corresponds exactly to what you're going through. And let me tell you this, it's yours. It's yours. Stand in it, claim it, pray over it. God's word is powerful. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be thwarted. All it says will happen. The principles, the promises, the parables, it is all true. It is all true. And all these promises will work if you believe, obey, apply, and wait. Wait for them. It is piercing and penetrating. It gets right down to the bone. Other words will fail, but God's word will not fail. We're told in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, God says, as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth and causes it to produce crops and seed, so will my word that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish everything I intended to do. God's word works 100% of the time when it is mixed with faith. It works if you will believe it, if you will act on it, if you will rest in it, it will work. Jeremiah 23, 29 says, is not my word like a hammer, saith the Lord, that breaks the rocks in pieces. This is a promise that God gave me in 1996 when we moved to England. And I looked at England and I said, this place is a rock. I mean, they didn't want to hear the word of God. You would, you know, like do a little hammer and you would be the one that would be like reverberating. People would be like, not interested. You'd hit the rock. And the Lord said, Cheryl, it's the steady blows of the hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Just keep going with the word of God. Keep chipping at that rock. Keep it consistent. Keep it coming. This last year, Nick Creation Fest, we saw the rock begin to break open. Like I have never seen the rock break open. Let me just tell you two stories. Four years ago, this woman came to me. She's like, Cheryl, we don't know what we're doing. We took this crystal meth addict in. He got saved, so we started discipling him. He brought his girlfriend in. We made him separate rooms. We discipled both of them. And they brought four others. What are we doing? We've got children. I'm like, I don't know what you're doing. I'll pray for you. I wouldn't do it but they kept doing it. Now they've got over 200 of these young kids in the most destitute crystal meth capital of Cornwall, saved, passionate about Jesus Christ. She comes to me this year and she says, we've outgrown our facility. We don't know what to do. We got problems. Those are the problems you want to hear. This other couple, he's a dentist. They came to me, they said, we can't find a a church that teaches the word of God. We need a church. And I said, well, have you thought about starting one? He me. I love the Lord. I've been a Christian all these years. I'd love to. I said, right then, Brian walked in. I said, talk to my husband. That was three years ago. Talk to my husband. Next thing you know, he's a Calvary pastor. He's doing this fellowship. 
They're, they've got over 150 people meeting in their house. They've outgrown it. They're looking for another place. I, I, that's just two. We saw the rock chipping in pieces. 23 churches from Dundee, Scotland came to us, came to Creation Fest and said, please do this in Dundee, Scotland, please. They unified. They said, please come to us. I mean, we've always been like, hey, we're coming. This time we're like, you want us? Great, we're coming. God is chipping the rock. We have a situation that just opened up where they are asking us to come to London. Pray about this, maybe to Trafalgar Square and bring Creation Fest. Crazy, right? God, you see, God's word works. We're talking 22 years of Just that consistent blow of the hammer. Don't stop with the word of God. It works. It breaks the rock in pieces. You know what the enemy wants to say? Stop it. It's not working. So we go, nothing happened. It doesn't work. And we turn and we stop, right? I think of the story in 2 Kings where the prophet Elisha gave Joram, King Joram, he gave him these arrows and he said, pound them on the ground. And Joram just kind of anemically just pounded them three times. Like, really? And Elisha began to cry. And he said, oh, if you would have kept pounding and if you would have put strength and effort in it, then you would have wiped out the Assyrians. But now you will only have victory three times and then they will wipe you out. Oh, my sisters, do not stop. The word of God is living and powerful. Don't stop pounding. Don't stop pounding heaven. Don't stop giving it. My dad used to say, you know what? If they won't receive it, paraphrase it. And just keep giving them scriptures because it won't return void. Just put it another way. I remember this kid that was, he spoke so dirty and he turned everything into a sexual innuendo in my Latin class. That's another story why I was in Latin. But he just, you know, kept doing it. And my dad said, tell them this. Some people's minds are like, like racehorses. They run best in a dirt track. I'm like, dad, I I don't think I'm going to say that. And he goes, yes, but to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled, that was his paraphrase. (laughs) I didn't use it. I did my own. Use the word of God. Use it. It's your hammer. It's going to break the rock in pieces. It's going to take that block of marble and make it a piata. Make it a David. Make it, those are statues by Michelangelo. He started with a block. In fact, in Florence, the great David that's there, it was a block of marble that other great artists had started to, but they had put a crack through it. And they said it was a worthless block of of marble. But somebody said, let's see if Michelangelo can do anything with it. And he began to chip with a hammer. And what you have today is a priceless work of art, the statue of David. Oh, don't stop. Just because the enemy said it's ruined, it's no good, this will never be anything. 
you do not believe the lie. The word of God works and you can rest because it works. If God's given you a promise, he's going to do it. It rests. It is piercing. It is penetrating. It is identifying. It discerns our thoughts. It says, that's a lie. That's the truth. It discerns our own thoughts. It tells us the thoughts of others and why they think as they do. And you can pray. You can pray their thoughts. You can enter their mind and their thoughts and you can pray. You can rest in God's word. Take heart. You can know that it will happen just as God promised in his word. Next, verse 13, God sees everything, everything. You know the times that you think someone got away with something? You know those times? Well, they got away with that one. Well, let me tell you, no one gets away with anything. Sometimes because we don't believe that God sees and God's going to work, we want to publicly out people. We want to go on Facebook and say, no, this person is really like this and this and this and this. Don't believe there is a wolf under that sheep's costume. And you think that everyone is believing their lies and falling for their deception and following their hypocrisy and faltering because of their pretense. But let me tell you, God sees it all and no one gets away with anything. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give account. There will be a reckoning. God is absolutely righteous and everyone will give an account before God. Rest. Because God knows every weapon of the enemy. He knows where they are forming them. He knows the thoughts, the intents, the plans, the formations of the enemy. And he knows the enemy's people and minions. No one, no thought, no plan, no activity, yesterday or today can be hidden from God. Nothing can be hidden from God. God will spoil the plans of the enemy as we take his word, take his promises, mix it with faith as we pray. God will bring truth and justice to light at the right time in the right way. You need to preach God's word to yourself and his promises. You need to preach to yourself the truth of who God is and that he sees everything. But you also need to preach to yourself that you have a high priest. You have a great high priest, a high priest who is righteous. He alone was able to go directly to heaven. Jesus went before us. Remember how he said, I go to prepare a place for you in John chapter 15. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. And Jesus said, therefore, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be troubled to rest because I'm going before you. You know, Jesus didn't just go before us into heaven. He went before us in this life. He has lived everything that you could possibly go through. He has suffered. He has been tempted. He knows what rejection feels like. He knows what betrayal feels like. He knows what it's like to be hungry and tired and not trusted. He knows what it is to be forsaken by friends to be humiliated, to be accused and falsely maligned, to be opposed. He knows it all. He knows it all. 
He has been through it. He knows our pain and he empathizes and he sympathizes with us in our human experience. I go back to Mary in John chapter 11. You know, too often we think that Jesus is saying, don't cry, stop that, come on, you know, be positive. But when he met Mary and Mary fell at his feet crying, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Faith is a necessary ingredient to enter God's promise of rest. However, it must be believed, embraced, and acted upon. It must be entered and lived in according to the recipe, the instruction that is given for that promise. Israel missed God's rest because they were disobedient and lacked faith. They didn't believe God and wanted to do it themselves their own way. They acted in their own strength and didn't trust God. When things didn't work out, they got bitter and their hearts were hardened. In order to enter into God's promise of rest, we must try His way and have faith. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll continue our look at God's rest as we continue our series, Our Great Faith in the Book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.